And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, that was a resounding win for the 49ers, especially a second-half performance because they trailed at halftime of this NFC wildcard game against the Seahawks after some sloppiness in all three phases. But in the second half, those 30 minutes, guys, I thought that was the best football the 49ers have played to date. And that's saying something because they've now won 11 straight games following this 41-23 win over the Seattle Seahawks. 49ers finished 7-0 against the NFC West. No more NFC West teams to vanquish. Everybody else except for the 49ers is eliminated in the division. And, Matt, that second half that the 49ers put on, boy, um, the offense, defense, special teams, everything, th- this looked like a, a true juggernaut as they pulled away from the Seahawks. Yeah, 505 yards of offense. Uh, that's a That's a huge number, and you can put it into context when you – Consider that only two other uh, 49ers teams have surpassed 500 yards in the playoffs. Um, the first one was the 84 Super Bowl champion uh, that uh, hit that number in the Super Bowl against Dan Marino and, and the Dolphins. That was the game where Roger Craig had three TDs and I think 142 yards. Joe Montana had 331. And then the other one was, and, and the most that they've ever racked up was the 2012 uh, game against the Packers, the one where Colin Kaepernick ran roughshod over the Packers' defense. Um, and uh, I think uh, Cap had 181 yards on the ground, 260-something through the air, 579 altogether, just a huge, huge number. <laughs> but Brock Purdy and the boys put 505 on it today. Uh, and it was a little bit of everybody. I mean, it was a, a big chunk was Debo Samuel, a big chunk was Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk showed up, George Kittle showed up, et cetera, et cetera. Dennis, what I'm trying to say is that this team has a lot of weapons. This is the first time that all of them are really at full tilt, and you you felt that in the second half. Uh, yeah, um, and you know, you, you look at this team and you talk about the weapons, and you know, you talk about explosiveness. I mean, you got a receiver that had 100 yards. You had a, a quarterback that threw over 300 yards and a running back that went over 100 yards. So that's when we talk about, you know, these juggernauts or compete, competing for a championship. That's what you need. Then you have, you know, uh, a defense that's sacking the quarterback, uh, stripping the ball, uh, interception. So, you know, all the way around. And, and it, took, it took a while. And even though it, it didn't look good in the first half, Brock Purdy was able to kind of be efficient on the uh, on the offensive side. I mean, you you're driving the ball down. I think you put what 16 points on the on, on the scoreboard. And this is when the you know, it looked like the team was struggling a little bit. There was no answer for for DK Metcalf. I mean, he he's a big, he's a strong receiver, he's a powerful receiver. 
I think Charvarius, you know, had one of his off games, but you know, DK is DK and he's going to make plays and, and they were trying to feature him in this game. And they did. Pete Carroll did it in the first half, had a good game plan in the first half, you know, worked the middle of the football field, uh, have those linebackers in the middle there that kind of threw off Brock Purdy a little bit, but, uh, I don't know what the speech is in the second half, but uh, the 49ers got on track. Uh, you know, you you come out, and even though there's a long drive, you come up with that 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 um, Amenahue comes up with that sack strip. Bosa comes up with the with the fumble. I think I turned the game around, but yeah, weapons, weapons one, weapons two. You can't cover everybody, and this was a, a big game for Debo, and I think it was time to have that Debo game, uh, and he showed up, especially at the second half. Absolutely. Debo Samuel finished with 133 receiving yards to lead the team. Christian McCaffrey, 119 yards to lead the team. And just showing you how impossible I think this 49ers team is to cover when when they're executing well. Uh, McCaffrey was the leading rusher, and Samuel was the leading receiver, but Debo took the first handoff of the game. So these two guys are essentially interchangeable between receiver and and running back, and it really flummoxed the uh, Seattle Seahawks today. I mean, look at this. These are receiving averages, average per completion. Debo Samuel, 22.2. Brandon Ayuk, 24.3. Jawan Jennings, 20.5. George Kittle, 18.5. I mean, you've got four receivers, four different targets, Averaging over 18.5 yards per catch. That's how explosive the offense was. That goes to Dennis's point. In the first half, the 49ers were settling for some field goals, right? And yes, they were sputtering a bit, especially as the drives got near the red zone. But they were still tremendously explosive, and there still were wide open spaces on the field for Brock Purdy to throw to. And you knew that that Seattle, to me, was just hanging on by a thread there. They were obviously... You gave him some credit for discombobulating Purdy a little bit. I think they took away a lot of the slant patterns with their inside linebackers. And it forced Purdy off schedule, and he would bail the pocket, and he'd roll out to his left, and that's his offside, right? So so often he would just throw it away, and, you know, that, that stalled some drives. As soon as the 49ers made the adjustment, Matt, in the second half, you could tell they started throwing more to, to the sidelines to keep Purdy on schedule. I mean, everything clicked. And in the second half, he went 9 of 11 at 6 16.8 yards per attempt. It's not a typo. 16.8 yards per attempt in the second half for Brock Purdy. And he even did some nice off-schedule stuff too. But I think the key is to make sure that the base of his work is on schedule because if you're on schedule with that many weapons, defenses can't cover that many elite weapons, right? So that's why Shanahan wants you to be on schedule because theoretically it should be impossible to cover all those weapons that the 49ers have. And that was the case in the second half. Yeah, and Shanahan thinks that there's an answer uh, on every play. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, on some of those, Purdy was going through all of his uh, his uh, his receivers. I mean, that, that pass to Elijah Mitchell, I don't know how long that took him to throw the ball, but that was the last read, and he bought extra time with his, uh, with his feet. He almost had a, just a miracle throw where he bought even more time to uh, Brandon Ayuk, and Ayuk dropped it, and that's it's a shame that Ayuk might be known um, in this game for, for that play uh, because he really had two tremendous blocks on the two longest plays of the game. Uh, Debo Samuel's touchdown, and then uh, Christian McCaffrey had a, a 68-yarder in the first quarter. Anytime you have a, a play of that length, the, the receivers are 
are blocking well downfield, and, and Ayuk was just all over these guys. He was really an animal out there as far as a blocker. And then when, when Debo Samuel uh, kind of inexplicably, this is just such a, a weird play, and I, I can't wait for Dennis to, to talk about it, but when the, the Seahawks, Jonathan Abrams, um, twisted Debo Samuel's <laughs> ankle and knee, uh, I thought it was great that uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk, his, his brother in arms, his, his fellow receiver, he was ready to take on the entire Seahawks defense there and was doing it for a minute. And, and then everybody else kind of stepped in. Uh, but I mean, there was just real fire there. That that's how that's how you rack up 505 yards. Uh, <laughs> great blocking from everybody, especially those uh, those deep receivers like Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, and you know that Debo touchdown he had a he, he was just blocking downfield and and it's funny watching receivers block because they they just kind of, you know, try to put their body in front of the uh, the uh uh the defender. But you know, Brandon Ayuk's got a lot of dog in him, right? I mean, he is yeah. a feisty player and you know, he's always kind of been that player. He gets after defensive backs. He he to me it feels like he loves to block downfield. Uh, you know, DBs really don't like don't they're not used to getting blocked. So if you get if you get a hand on them inside the shoulder pads and you get you get them rolling backwards, you can you can get some nice blocks. So that was some good blocks. And then the Debo, the Debo play with the with the angle. I mean, that's just you know, that's just defensive. That's defensive mentality. You know, we, we know you might have a sore ankle. Let's twist up that ankle a little bit and see if we can get you out the football game. And then after that play, I think is when Christian McCaffrey got the ball and, you know, he exploded on the on the on the uh Seahawks defense so that was a big turning you know the the uh the the strip the the sack strip fumble was a changing point and that was kind of a a momentum change too you know when they were kind of twisting up Debo's ankle a little bit because on the next play they kind of exploded so that's what happens in football I mean there's momentum changes and and that's what this team kind of needed I don't the sense of urgency probably wasn't in the in the first half of this football game but definitely in the second half, the 49ers had a sense of urgency uh, and they kind of woke up. But uh, throughout the whole thing, Brock Purdy, I think, stayed very calm. He didn't get, you know, he didn't get too, too crazy. Uh, he was he was calm. He stayed with the game plan, stayed with the scheme and delivered to rock to his to his playmaker. So, again, another another check. Right. I mean, he you know, playoff game. You got to play from behind. You got to keep the team. You got to you got to be efficient. And uh, Brock Brock Purdy shows up again. Well, man, there, there's so much to talk about in this game because it was that tale of two halves. But maybe we should address the the first half and some of those defensive struggles to begin, and then we could kind of finish up with the surge in the second half. Nick Bosa said that Kenneth Walker, Seattle's top running back, but by the way, the Seahawks had 25 carries for 104 yards. Most of that came in the first half, so Seattle was able to run efficiently in the first half, and Bosa said that Walker was more patient than they expected him to be. So Seattle actually definitely changed some things up, and you know, it's tough to just tell a running back to be more patient and then have him do it at the snap of a finger, but I guess that's what that's what Walker did, and Dre Greenlaw told me that, that, that Seattle was running to the opposite side on some of these plays as they had shown on tape. So they were definitely throwing the kitchen sink at the 49ers, maybe not with trick plays, but by breaking tendency. And it took the 49ers big-time adjustments. They had to be more physical than they usually are against the run game. They really had to blast offensive linemen back in the second half because Walker had been so patient they needed to cut off his cutback lanes. And as soon as the 49ers started doing that, 
uh, is when you started seeing more of the third and long situations, right? And it was third and 14 when Amenahu came in out of the lightning package, which is the NASCAR package of four defensive ends, beat Gabe Jackson, knocked the ball away from Geno Smith. And that, that uh, as Dennis said, was the game-changing play. So I think the, the main adjustment the 49ers had to make in the first half, you know, Dennis is totally right. DK is going to you know, get his. He had 10 catches, 136 yards. You know, he's paid too. He, he got paid in the same offseason as Charvarius Ward. So Ward dominated him in week 15. Metcalf came back with a big game here. That's just going to happen. You, you have to accept that if you're the 49ers. What you can't accept is getting beaten in the ground game. And that's where the, they made their big adjustment in the second half. And I think that's what set up the big surge, Matt, in the second half for the 49ers. You stopped the run. You enabled the pass rushers to get after it. And because that happened, the 49ers turned around the game. Yeah, I thought that Kenneth Walker was uh, markedly better than than DJ Dallas, his uh, running back mate. I just felt like anytime that Walker came out of the game was a, was a real real bonus for the 49ers. And I thought, and and I I really want to hear Dennis's uh, take on this. But my my thought in the first half was, boy, the other defensive ends, the guys not named Nick Bosa, each of them. Had a had a glaring mistake, just uh, not able to set the edge on some of those runs. Amenahu had one, Jordan Willis had one, Ebucom had one uh, on the touchdown. He was kind of diving inside, and Kenneth Walker went to the outside. Obviously, Amenahu really stepped up in the second half, but uh, th- that seemed to be a real issue in, in the first. Is that um, whoever was playing opposite Bosa? Uh, was not doing a good job of setting the edge and kind of keeping those runs going to the inside. And I wonder whether the the Seahawks were sort of targeting that side. You know, wherever Bosa lines up, we're going to go to the opposite side. Uh, But uh, obviously, it was something that they took care of in the second half. And that's a theme this year. The 49ers have been great as far as halftime adjustments, both sides of the ball. Week 7, Kansas City being the exception. But I mean, they got a garbage time TD, the Seahawks did, when, when the 49ers had all backups in. But really, it was just three points in the second half. That's a, a real credit to, to Miko Ryans and to uh, the smarts of these defensive players. Eric Armstead, very smart. Uh, Nick Bosa, very smart. Fred Warner, very smart. All, all these guys know what to do to kind of make amends for their first half misses. Yeah, and I, I think the only football team that can beat the San Francisco 49ers would be the San Francisco 49ers. And you're right about some of those details. Jordan Willis coming inside. uh, I don't know if he was on a stunt or he just thought, you know, he saw a formation, but he dips inside and, and and Kenneth Walker, the third rushes outside for a touchdown. Uh, There was a couple plays when, when Javon Kinlock couldn't get off place, ended up too high. Walker runs right underneath him. So, you know, and, and, and that's what it's, it's about the details, especially in the playoffs. And, and Pete Carroll's a good coach. Uh, he knows, you know, kind of how to exploit uh, a football team. I think he saw something that he, can, he could exploit in the first half, and he had a good game plan. Those quick in cuts with with DK, uh, you know, uh, 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 Lockett, you know, some some of the scheme wise, he he just had a good game plan in the first half. And D'Amico Ryan's goes into halftime, and also with the offensive side of the football, Kyle Shanahan, and you understand kind of how they how they're trying to attack you. Uh, and then you make those adjustments. And, you know, up front, the defensive line, you're able to get off off blocks. I think Aminahue had two sacks in this football game. So, you know, guys step up. Uh, uh, and in halftime, you fix the things that you've been exploited. 
And that's what the that's what the 49ers have done the entire football season. And they've strangled. They've suffocated teams in the second half. And they did it again today. And you saw this offensive uh, this this Seahawks offense kind of implode a little bit. I think there was three penalties on an offensive lineman that was getting down the field because Eric Armstead, it, it was like he had a rope on whoever he was up that guard he was played against that he was pulling them downfield and getting penalties. So, you know, you see the Seahawks making penalties in the second half uh, and turning over the football. So, you know, again, in the second half, you, you watch this team just strangle teams and then you see an offense that just explodes. I mean, it was 41 points put on the board today and this is a playoff. This is a playoff game. So, and, and you know, most of it was in the second half and, That's what this team has done the entire football season. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One thing about the the 49ers and their explosiveness, I I I keep on having to go back to the... The, we, we talk about the fronts, right, for the 49ers, the offensive front and the defensive front. Nobody ever talks about the O-line, I feel, on this team, though. And, and this is something that I, I discussed over the course of the week entering this game. 
the 49ers pass block efficiency this year, I know PFF measures it. I know it's an imperfect kind of measurement, but the 49ers rank number five in the NFL in pass block efficiency. This is the best offensive line that Shanahan has ever had. And I can't help but think, you know, we, we, we could talk about the defensive explosiveness, we could talk about the offensive explosiveness, but I can't help but think that this team wouldn't be where it's at, Matt, without the offensive line turning in another really good performance that kept Brock Purdy clean today. And, hey, Brock Purdy, even when he's pressured, is so quick he could get away. But I think the 49ers just have everything going on all cylinders right now. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a health factor there. I mean, uh, last year at this time, the 49ers were playing without uh, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, and, and, and Trent Williams had the uh, the elbow in Week 18, and then he had a high ankle sprain later in the playoffs. So that that unit uh, had talent. I mean, Alex Mack was uh, playing at a Pro Bowl level at center last year, uh, Lakin Tomlinson, uh, Trent Williams, but uh, they were they were nicked up. So this this group has kind of uh, stayed healthy. They've stayed intact. Um, you know they've, they've gotten better as the year went on, just more experience altogether. And you know that was a, a theme today. I mean, the 49ers were at full tilt. They they really hadn't been uh, as, as far as their weaponry. Um, uh, they haven't been that healthy all season, and, and including week one. I mean, remember week one, George Kittle was out, and then in week one in that game. Uh, Elijah Mitchell uh, hurt his knee and, and was out half the season, more than half the season. Um, so, I mean, obviously there were two big injuries at quarterback, but in this game, really, uh, and, and then when you kind of add in the fact that Christian McCaffrey has now been with this team for half a season, I mean, McCaffrey was going game plan to game plan when he got here. I mean, he didn't know the full playbook. Nobody could. Uh, but he's he's figured it out by now. He's figured out how to run those wide zone uh, runs, which is what he was running on that 68-yarder in the, in the first quarter. My point is that, Dennis, I mean, uh, you know, full cylinder right now. I mean, this is yeah. – everything yeah. is coming together for this team right at the right moment. Um, yeah. And uh, it's especially on offense. And, you know, that was, uh, that was sort of the theme of the, the 2019 season. 49ers had a great team. But they ran into a buzzsaw of an offense with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. They just couldn't keep up. Um, and uh, I just wonder now whether this offense can keep up with anybody, certainly in the NFC. But, uh, you know, it, it almost seems like it's as elite as uh, a Josh Allen-led Buffalo Bills offense or a Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City offense. I, I don't know if anybody scares them at this point. Yeah, and you know, like like we said early in the show, I mean, who, who you're gonna cover, and 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 you, and and just think, this is this is your third string quarterback. I, you know, I he, he's not playing like that. Obviously, he's not a third string quarterback. He's not a scout team quarterback. He's he's a little bit better than that. But you're working. You had two. You lost your starting quarterback, and then you lost your your starting backup quarterback that you know who started for you just a season ago took you to the NFC championship game and now you have you know the last player pick in the National Football uh, League draft and you know he's you know he's on this this I don't know what he's on I mean I, I think at this point now we have to start recognizing that he is better than 
most quarterbacks. I mean, his rating is has got to be the best in the National Football League, and he's running this offense, and he's surrounded by these weapons. I, I just think about the touchdown where you, you scramble, you scramble out, you you buy time with your legs, and you you hit a wide open Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I mean, it's just you know, or or you have a play where you you, you get the ball out to to, to Debo. And, and, and it's a 70-something yard touchdown. Then you have Brandon Ayuk, and then you have Elijah Mitchell. So, yeah, I mean, when, when they're rolling there, I mean, in the second half, I think every time they, they touched the ball, they, they, it was a touchdown. It was points on the board. So hitting on all cylinders, yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible watching this team, the way they can go down the field. But it starts with your quarterback. Uh, and you know Brock Purdy's doing a, has done an outstanding job, uh, and, and and you know it, it sounds easy when you have all these weapons, but still you got to be the decision maker, and he's just making really good decisions. And you know I don't know if you can call him a mobile quarterback, but he got out of at least two sacks, three sacks that I can remember today, and he was able to throw the ball down the field. So I don't know if he's a mobile quarterback. Uh, but he is, you know, he is doing it and he is seeing the entire football. So he's going through his, his reads. He's going all the way across the field and finding the open guy. Uh, and that it was too bad that last touchdown to Brandon, Brandon Ayuki couldn't bring it down. Cause that was, I mean, that was a seven minute scramble to find yeah. someone. That was like a, that was like a, uh, you know, this kid over in green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. that was one of his kind of plays and just keeping the play alive and then finding someone at the back of the end zone. It's just too bad. He couldn't get that. But I mean, just watching him, his decision, making the way his vision is, is just incredible. And yeah, this, this offense, I don't know who's, I mean, it, they got to scare the heck out of any defense that's, you know, still in the playoffs right now, but uh, yeah, all cylinders and, you know, 41 points, 41 points, um, in a playoff game, that's huge. That that's a statement, and you know, just yeah. the way they play in the second second half. Well, I think in five of six, uh, pretty six starts, they put up at least thirty five. The one that they didn't was against the Seahawks when he was hurt. They put up twenty one in that game. Would have been twenty eight, but they took a knee at the two or the one, wherever Jordan Mason went down at the end of the game. So, I mean, this is a prolific scoring machine. I think, you know, they. I think obviously the inflection point of the season was McCaffrey entering the starting lineup. They've won 11 straight games since then. The points per game have shot up uh, by about 10, I think, at this point, yeah. pre and post McCaffrey. The spacing is insane. I mean, even Jimmy Garoppolo was was thriving uh, with McCaffrey in the lineup, and it wasn't probably wasn't a full fledged McCaffrey yet because Matt made the point about learning the playbook. So. I mean, it, it literally is like playing point guard, being quarterback in, in this offense. You have to sit back there and find the wide-open guy to, to deliver the ball to. Now, that's sometimes easier said than done. You have to have some ability, I think, to move around because sometimes the protection can break down, and that's what Purdy's so good at. So quick, and you know, we, we've been talking about it for weeks now, but I, I almost compared that one that Ayuk dropped to something that Mahomes would do. Uh, you know, Mahomes runs around back there and then just fires from a crazy arm angle as he gets hit and devastates a defense. So uh, I could see why Steve Young was comparing Purdy to Patrick Mahomes now because it, he has that kind of magician's flair on, on plays like that. Now, what are Purdy's weaknesses? I think it is still arm strength, but that's a weakness you can work around, especially in this scheme, and they have worked around it. He's got the top passer rating in football ever since he became the starting quarterback. So um, I think the 49ers are 
riding A-OK in this situation. They can hope that they got any playoff jitters out of the way in that first half from Brock Purdy. And we can talk about what's next, right? If Minnesota beats the New York Giants, the 49ers will host the Vikings next week on Saturday. If the New York Giants beat the Vikings, though, the 49ers will play the winner of Tampa Bay and Dallas, and that would come Sunday. Both of those games would be at Levi Stadium. So um, it's either the Vikings, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, or the Dallas Cowboys coming to Levi's next weekend. And the 49ers would have a, a day head start on, on recovery and recu- recuperation uh, against uh, any of those teams, maybe two days. Um, and, um, you know, they, they took out their their starters, um, you know, midway through the, the fourth quarter, even before then. So, um, you know, rest and recuperation. I realize that the buy, the teams that got the bye have the uh, – have the advantage there, but but boy, these last two weeks, the, the 49ers starters have been on the sideline um, pretty early in the game. So yeah, I mean, um, I would say Dennis that uh, if the 49ers had their druthers, um, and I think that they can beat any three of those those possible opponents, but I would say um, I would actually put uh, you know, the Vikings at the top of the list, followed by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, and then the Cowboys last. I think the Cowboys are the, more, the most dangerous team of those three. They've got a running game. They've got a passing game. They've got a mobile quarterback. That's been a real issue for the 49ers. And it, was, it was almost a big issue in this game, too, with that, uh, with that Jimmy Ward uh, shoulder on a sliding quarter. I couldn't believe that one. Uh, Jonathan Abrams saved Jimmy Ward <laughs> having the most boneheaded play uh, on Saturday. But uh, that's how I see it uh, of those uh, three possible uh, opponents. What uh, what do you think about their, their next opponent? Yeah. I, I First of all, I think, you know, the 49ers, you know, you come out this game and you don't have any, any real injuries. You had a couple guys that went out the game, but they all came back in the game. So, you know, you, you, you come out of playoff game and you're healthy. Uh, and, and it doesn't really matter who's up next. I mean, you got a home game. Uh, you've earned the right to play again in front of your home crowd. Um, I, I, I like the Minnesota matchup. I think I think Minnesota, even though they're a good team, they find ways to win. But I, I just don't see on defense how a Minnesota defense could could, could even, even hold anything up uh, to, 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 to try to stop this this explosive offense. I think you explode on Minnesota. Um, and, and you're right. I think Dallas is a, is the toughest team. Um, but I do think the Giants, you know, go in there and I think they have a they have a chance of beating Minnesota um, come tomorrow. So but this is the playoffs. Whoever shows up shows up um, and you're at home and that you got the advantage at home. But um, like I said, I I think the only team that can beat the 49ers would be the 49ers because they are, they're there now. I think they've, they've got it figured out. They've got their scheme figured out. I think they understand what they're about. You know, you saw in the second half, you know, they, they start running the ball even more. Um, The run game is it. And it opens up everything. I think they know their identity and I think they know on defense, they can bully people. Um, if you don't make the mistakes and you're efficient. So whoever comes, comes. But I would love to see Minnesota show up here. Yeah, and Minnesota, I think, is clearly the worst of those three teams. Minnesota's the worst 13-win team ever, In yeah. possibly. They have the, they're have they the only 13-win team to ever have a negative point differential. 
So you can give them credit for winning a bunch of one-score games. I think they won 10 or 11 of them. But yeah. at the end of the day, they, they still had to get blown out a few times to to have that happen. And um, great teams don't get blown out all too often. 49ers only got blown out once this season. That was by, by, by the Chiefs. And even that game was close in the fourth quarter. It kind of got out of hand there at the end. But I agree with you. Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, they can make some noise offensively. Uh, but I mean, especially Cousins, you know, prime time against the 49ers. We we've already seen that story before. I don't think he could keep up with what the 49ers offense would drop on Minnesota's defense in that game. You know, the DVOA rankings, the the the, the efficiency and advanced stats have, have Minnesota with a 13 and four record at number 27 in the NFL. Mm. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. It's crazy. Um, the Giants, I think, are number 21, so we'll see how that matchup goes. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. 49ers just need to worry about themselves because if they do that, I think they get all the way to the Super Bowl. I, I think if the 49ers play their game against anybody in the NFC, they win. I think they're better than the Eagles. Now, that is much more questionable to me once you get to the Super Bowl, right? The, there you have the Bills, potentially. You have the Chiefs or maybe even the Bengals, and, and those are all really elite teams. So, I mean, we can't put the cart in front of the horse. The 49ers have to get there first. But to get there, to get to the promised land, I think they just have to play their game. They're strong enough offensively. They're strong enough defensively. And, Matt, today, even the special teams, they had a bad squib kick uh, there before halftime. But, uh, again, you, you've got these these players. Oren Burks, uh, Oren Burks had a big stop on coverage today. Tarverius Moore, Samuel Womack, and then, of course, your NFL special teams tackles leader, George Odom, they're loaded with good players in that phase of the game, too. And that's really worth noting because if you get down to the finish line here with Philadelphia involved, even the Cowboys, and then you look at the Super Bowl potentially with the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals, uh, those are all really good football teams that that, that can be considered two-way teams, right, offense and defense. It, it might end up being who has that third phase of the game that could be the difference in some of these huge games. And the 49ers have all three clicking right now. Yeah, uh, Ronnie Gold was really good today. Um, you know, he has yet to miss a, a field goal or an extra point uh, for the 49ers in, in the postseason. So he was on point. The, the squib kick seemed like it was going to kind of haunt this team. That that was a, a, a dubious decision. And I think they did it because uh, the Seahawks actually did some good returns, had some good kickoff returns, uh, you know, around the 30 or beyond the 30 in the first half. And it was, um, you know, uh, different than what the 49ers have been doing. They've been very good in that aspect of the game, uh, but not uh, not early on on Saturday. And, and that may have influenced the decision to, to squib it. I don't think uh, Robbie Gold's squib was as deep as he wanted it to be, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, just like the, the defense, the, this unit uh, rallied in the second half and they were lights out like they like they usually are. Uh, so maybe it took uh, both units uh, half to sort of get back into it. Remember, um, you know, not not a lot of uh, great opponents for the 49ers down this uh, down this home stretch. Uh, so um, you know that 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 can happen. It, it needed to be kind of slapped across the face, a uh, a cold bucket of water. Uh, but they woke up at halftime, and uh, all three phases were clicking in the second half. And like we said. Um, you know, the, the Eagles are going to have a nice advantage in the playoffs because of their 
their bye week. But uh, it's like the 49ers have kind of strung together uh, almost a bye week just with the uh, the blowouts that they've had recently. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys uh, playing a lot fewer snaps than they usually do. So my point is that uh, in terms of freshness, which I, I do think, I think David will agree with me, what was an issue last year. Um, uh, shouldn't be quite the issue it is. Uh, uh, it was this year. Yeah, and you talk about special teams and special teams. I mean, that's something you know we don't talk about that much. Robbie Gold did he have four field goals today or three field goals today? I mean, four. In, yeah, in the first half that you know that kept that kept the momentum on the 49ers side. I mean, you kept you know you were in the red zone, but you were able to get some points on the board. Um, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say, you know, Ray Ray's going to finally, it, it feels like he's about to bust one. I think, you know, against whoever the opponent is, opponent is Saturday or Sunday, whoever it is, I think Ray Ray's going to finally get one because uh, he's been so close uh, uh, to breaking one. And, and you know, kick coverage is kick coverage. I mean, you got the Gunners that get down there. Uh, Odom has been outstanding. Uh, and again, like in the second half, there were some big plays in the second half by kick coverage. So, Special teams are important, uh, especially in the playoffs. But I, I do think Ray Ray, Ray is going to finally break one and take one to the house. Would that not be something? That would be crazy. And if yeah. Ray Ray McLeod is housing kicks, the 49ers aren't losing that game. I, I yeah. bet my life savings on it. Because you've already got the offense and the defense playing complementary ball. If if you add explosive special teams on top, they're, they're sound right now, right? The special teams are sound. It's not – something that's that's giving them touchdowns boy if, if they start getting touchdowns just one in this postseason how big of a boost would would that be that would be absolutely crazy so um it's it's hard to it's hard to put enough superlatives on how the 49ers delivered in the second half today and you know in the big picture for the franchise uh, this is a huge win i mean the seattle seahawks this is a team that's tormented them for a long time and it, up to last year when the Seahawks were clearly worse than the 49ers, but they beat them twice because of special teams. Remember those disasters on special teams the 49ers had in those two Seahawks games? Um, but anyway, you could go back to, to the January 2014 NFC title game with Richard Sherman and Malcolm Smith and realize that the, the, the 49ers as a franchise, they avenged that today, right? They finally got another shot at the Seahawks in the postseason. And they were able to to turn it into a win. I know that the Seattle team was nowhere near as good as those Super Bowl champions back then, but this 49ers team might be as good or better than than the Seahawks uh, team that won the Super Bowl championship, 40 to eight, I believe, against Denver that season. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely fair at this point to start talking about the 49ers as that type of juggernaut. They obviously have to go out and do it now, but from a talent and performance perspective, this 11 game win streak might be. The most impressive uh, thing the 49ers have, have, have strung together since Dennis's 1994 team. You, Dennis, you guys in 94 won 10 straight, and then you lost the, the game where you rested your, your starters in Week 17, and then yeah. you won three more to win the Super Bowl. But so in, in, in essence, you guys won 13 straight games, right, to, to close that season. This team has won 11 straight, and you can't blame anybody for starting to get reminders of that, right? Right, and, and you know, we had Tom Raffman on – you know, in our show in KMBR, and he just kind of talked about the mentality. And, you know, he said, you know, the, the expectations always been, you know, not win playoff games to win Super Bowls. Uh, and, you know, that's and that that's the mindset you have to have. And, you know, we we, we, we talked, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves, but 
that is the expectation when you're a San Francisco 49ers. It, it, it's not, you know, to, to have a good, good regular season because that takes care of itself. But you get in the playoffs and you win championships. And that's got to be the mentality. I mean, you know, when, when I say sense of urgency, and the team didn't have the sense of urgency in the first half. But the second half, they came out and played real 49er football and bullied and took over the football game. And, um, you know, uh, Rackman and, and John Taylor were out uh, on the field before the game, and I think they were the ones that pulled the foghorn. And I was just wondering, Dennis, um, you know, going back to that uh, Debo getting his, his knee ankle pulled like, like he did, what would have happened if – Somebody had done that to Jerry Rice or to John no. Taylor. I mean, you talk about getting into focus in the second half. I, I think the 49ers came out of the, the locker room focused, but boy, they got a nice emotional boost from that play. It just seemed like such a uh, misjudgment by uh, Jonathan Abrams and the Seahawks to do that. But, uh, you know, what would, what, what, what would be the mentality of, of a player when they see a uh, 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 an esteemed, uh, valuable teammate like that have that done to him? Well, I mean, you know, I I, I know Jerry, and Jerry, you know, he, he's a country boy, and he's got a lot of dog in him. So, you know, if he felt something like that, you know, Jerry would have been been the one, like the Brandon IU, trying to take on the whole football team. But uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, offensive linemen, you know, probably the bench. Because you just, I mean, you just don't touch. I mean, that is that. That's a defensive mentality. I remember in the Super Bowl, Natron Means had a had a twisted ankle before the game, and we were instructed if you're in a pile, grab the ankle and twist it a little bit. That's just the mentality of it. But I, I think about you know someone like a Jerry Rice. I think it would have been you know everybody would be coming off the bench if everybody would have saw it. Um, but Jerry would have been right in the middle. Jerry would have been probably throwing blows right in the middle because you know. JR's got a lot of dog in him. He's a country boy. He's got a whole lot of dog in him. But um, that's just, that's defensive mentality. You know, that's you know, that's that's what that's what you do as a defensive player. I mean, you try to affect the game, you try to bully people. And I and and I think that's what the 49ers, that's their identity on defense. They want to bully people. And I think after that play, it got guys kind of fired up. And and I, and that was a big that was a big turning part, turning point in the football game, I thought. Absolutely. That that second half, that, that that saw that big swing of the pendulum in the 49ers' direction, and we will wait to see if that continues next week. So one round of the playoffs done. 49ers have 11 straight wins in the books. That's it for us now. We're going to come back midweek, have the preview of the next round for you, and then obviously we'll be back with you again after the 49ers' divisional round game, for which they will certainly be favored. We'll just have to see how much that they're favored by. That's going to depend on who they play. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time on Here's the Catch.